Welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, the show that curates the streaming media industry news that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the factual data you need to know without any of the hype. The pulse of the streaming media industry. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I am Dan Rayburn, along with my co-host, Mark Donigan. Mark, hello. You ready to uh, rant on a couple things? This oh, week? yes. Yes. Rant we will, Dan. Yeah, so there's a couple of things we're gonna have to call out here for sure. Some nonsense in the in the more in the industry this week in the market. But first, let's start with NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube TV. So, a couple interesting things I've been thinking about this, Mark, that we can go into detail on. And I wrote a fairly long blog uh, post this week just on the potential impact, good and or bad, that. The industry is going to feel based on the success or problems that YouTube TV is going to have with NFL Sunday Ticket. Mm. As we all know, in our industry, of course, mainstream media doesn't get it, but we all know that you can't have a flawless live event on the internet. Yeah. Even if YouTube does it perfectly, and I mean perfectly with everything, what is out of their control? The device, the last mile. <laughs> Wi-Fi inside right. the whole yeah, Wi-Fi. Yeah. There's all kinds of problems. Yeah. So no matter what they do, there are going to be people complaining. Yeah. Come September with the stream. And the mainstream media who doesn't truly understand our industry, if there's a lot of problems and if there's any technical issues on YouTube side that aren't quick uh, fixed very quickly, you're definitely going to have media talking about streaming technology not being ready for prime time yeah now there's a couple things to think about here one is an industry for those who haven't been in our industry a long time even just three four or five years i would say mark that we've probably never had something this big in our industry in 10 or 15 years take place from a live event standpoint that has such an impact. And by big, I mean not the number of simultaneous streams mm. because that number, we don't know if we'll, we'll get one from YouTube or the NFL, but it's, it's not going to be astronomical. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to live events on the internet in the past, Super Bowl, Grammys, one-off live events like that, even the Olympics, most of those events have been free. Mm-hmm. It hasn't required a subscription. It certainly hasn't required a subscription that you have to pay hundreds of dollars up front in advance. Yeah. And mainstream media is obviously covering very closely what's going on with sports licensing and sports leagues and what they're doing to get the digital realm. And everyone is tracking the NFL. That's right. So we are going to have an incredible amount of coverage and a spotlight on our industry. I think like we've never had before when this launches. That's going to bring confusion. I'm already seeing some people in the media, you know, just reporting on what exactly NFL Sunday ticket is and is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, you know, some say where they're reviewing the service that viewers will be able to purchase a certain number of games for a cheaper price. No, <laughs> that is not true. Uh, they also say I've seen a media person quote, watch every regular season Sunday afternoon game. No, that's also not true. Yeah. 
So confusion is going to be there. Now I give YouTube TV a lot of credit with the NFL for making it very clear what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Right? They make it very clear. You're not going to be able to see uh, playoff games. Mm-hmm. You know, no playoff games are included. Uh, they also say local broadcast, locally broadcast Fox and CBS games, Sunday night football and NBC, select digital only games, mm-hmm. international games are all excluded. Yeah. So they've made it very clear. And yet, Mark, one of the biggest uh, searches when it tied to YouTube TV and NFL ticket that people are putting in right now um, is, can I buy Sunday NFL ticket without YouTube TV? And of course, the answer is yes. But the amount of confusion that is going to be out there that's already there before this starts, YouTube TV is going to have to do a lot of education on top of what they're already doing. Because as we know, uh, consumers are just not great at reading the details. (laughs) Sure. So the other thing that came out this week that was tied to that, Mark, was uh, we're recording this on Thursday, June 22nd. So yesterday on the 21st, YouTube YouTube TV rolled out MultiView. They announced it on, on Twitter right. to only a small portion of members because they said they're testing it out with a small group to make sure it's ready before they roll it out to everyone this summer. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing is, as of now, users can't select the channels that actually go into the multi-view feed, mm-hmm. which is odd. So yeah. on Twitter, YouTube TV says, quote, we are only offering a predefined listing of multi-view streams right now. So you don't have any choice of what you see in the other windows. Mm-hmm. That seems odd. Now, of course, some people quickly <laughs> replied to them on YouTube TV and said, well, wait a minute, what about NFL Sunday ticket? Can I pick my own games? Mm-hmm. All they said was that they'll have more information on how multi-view will work for NFL Sunday ticket. Uh, also, they did uh, make it very clear in, in, in a Twitter post, multiple Twitter posts, that the multi-view feature is only going to be available on living room streaming devices. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're getting this on your iPad or your iPhone computer, it's just not coming. So to me, Mark, that adds another level of complexity to NFL Sunday ticket. Mm-hmm. We're less than 90 days away from the first game. They are still trialing functionality that they plan to roll out to everyone this summer. Mm-hmm. Doesn't give you a lot of time. And also there was an interesting blog post about how they were talking about syncing streams in the multi-view. And they talked about how they were having to work to push some of that technology back up to the server, to the YouTube infrastructure, as opposed to down at the player level. Mm-hmm. I thought that's interesting. So what you can see is they're obviously working really hard to try and solve for the best experience. Yeah. But rolling out multi-view this close, a new functionality like this, this close to NFL Sunday ticket, man, that's uh That's brave. That's a, yeah, you might be flying too close to the sun on that one, right? Just edge your bets a little. Yeah. So I'm rooting for them. Obviously, anything in the industry that works with good quality as however the user defines it, it's all different. Mm-hmm. And sure. at scale. Mm-hmm. That that helps all of us. The other thing we don't know is obviously how many viewers they're going to have for this. The only thing we know that they have told us publicly 
is that July 2022, so last year, almost almost a year ago exactly, they said that they had over 5 million subscribers and trialers in the U.S. Now, this is another thing for us to harp on, Mark. It's incredible how many members of the media are not reporting that number properly. Now, some are, which is awesome. But I've been leaving some comments on LinkedIn tied to YouTube TV service. And it's interesting to see industry people reply and say, oh, I had no idea that that number included trial members oh. as well. <laughs> And, well, I'm not surprised because the media, in many cases, is leaving that out of the headline. Mm -hmm. So you just see the headline, YouTube TV has 5 million subscribers. Yeah. Now, in one of my comments, uh, I I did say that I've heard at any given time, YouTube TV has about 20% of all their subscribers in a trial. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to disclose the source for that. Um, And as I put in the blog post... um, Let's just call that a rumor for now, right? It has not publicly been verified. Yeah. So take that into context. But if that's the case, 20%, you're talking about 4 million paying subs today. Hmm. So 4 million paying subs, how many additional subs are they getting just for NFL Sunday ticket who are also taking YouTube TV with it? Because obviously you can get Sunday NFL ticket without YouTube TV. Sure. So- Really hard to know what the number is going to be. Let's just say that number is double. Let's just say they end up having a total of 8 million subs. How many of those subs are actually going to watch NFL Sunday Ticket? Don't know. But even if we're talking 50 or 60%, you're talking 4 or 5 million Mm -hmm. simultaneous viewers. Mm -hmm. It's not that big of a number. Compared to other events we've seen, it would not be as big as Amazon's Thursday Night Football. And also, YouTube TV has made it clear that this is not in 4K. Mm -hmm. Now, in May, YouTube TV offered a 10-day free trial for new members only during a limited promotion. That trial is now gone. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to see as we get a little closer to NFL Sunday Ticket, if there's going to be a trial again. So they get some people familiar with the platform. Mm -hmm. But they've also said that there's going to be no trial of any kind uh, when it comes to NFL Sunday ticket. So if you think the first Sunday of that month, you're going to sign up for 24 hours or seven days to try out the service, it is not happening. Yeah. So there's a lot riding here on this. I think if YouTube TV, the key thing here is set expectations properly. They're trying to, but the, the key thing is going to be support day one. Mm. If there's any issues, they have to be clear there's an issue. For people who are going to have their own issues that are tied to themselves, mm-hmm. they can't log in, they forgot their password, they can't reset it, all of that, those types of things. YouTube TV's support better be on point. It better be from people who speak English natively. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of these streaming services, if you call them up, you know, they farmed it out outside the U.S. Well, this is a service only available in the U.S., yeah. So you get it better get people who truly understand how to speak English. Mm-hmm. It's very important. So that's going to be uh it's one to watch. Big couple days. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. gonna be Just exciting. Think of how much exposure and limelight is gonna be on the industry. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah, for sure. Now as far as numbers go, you know, I think 
the NFL is going to put out some numbers because we've seen them in previous events that they've done. Mm-hmm. So think Amazon Thursday Night Football numbers came out. Numbers came out from Amazon. Google's always been uh, harder with the numbers here in terms of to get data from them, but I don't think it's up yeah. to them. I think it's up to the NFL. Yeah. So I'm super curious to see if we get any anything with that. And then the other thing here, Mark, I'm just thinking from a billing standpoint, can you remember any other content in our industry where consumers had to pay between $250 to $440 up front, in some cases, four months before they could even access the content? Yeah, I I can't. I can't either. I, I mean... A yearly subscription to Max or Amazon yeah. Prime, $120. Or, or shoot, Black Friday deals. It was like 69 bucks or something or whatever it was. You know? Yeah, even cheaper. Like, yeah, so, yeah. So I'm also curious to see how some companies potentially might change packaging mm-hmm. and bundling. Mm-hmm. Does, mm-hmm. does a Sling TV or Hulu Plus Live TV yeah. give you a incentive to pay for the year? Don't know. Yeah. Uh, the other, I'd say, final point here that's that's really important is the amount of times that YouTube TV calls out on their website that there will be absolutely no refunds given. None. Mm. So if you have an issue, if you have a problem, you want to cancel, that's not happening. Now, if there yeah. was a widespread problem outage, right, maybe you'd get a credit as we've seen other companies do. But this is a very unique offering in the market because of how it's being bundled, priced, packaged. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot for the industry to learn from it. So we all hope if we work in the industry, it goes really well. Mm-hmm. Or we should because it, it'll yeah. benefit everybody. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, um, yeah, to, to, it would be an understatement to say I'm a little concerned. <laughs> Having seen enough live events on the internet as we all have. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, the first game is September. Oh, what is the first game? September 10th. I actually have to put that on my calendar, block that off. So that'll be the first game. So jumping into uh, a Disney Hotstar blog, uh, Mark, that we were talking about before. So real interesting. You know, last week you and I were talking about the blog post where I said content owners were cutting bit rates to save money. Mm-hmm. And uh, two days after Disney and Hotstar, mm-hmm. uh, Disney plus Hotstar, the blog put out details, very good details um, on how they quadrupled their capacity for transcoding, mm-hmm. reduced their network storage by 80% and cut their computing costs by 10 to 15%. Now this wasn't by reducing bit rates. But this was just by optimizing their transcoding workflow. That's right. And that's a big number. Yeah, it it it, it really is. And I noticed, you know, a lot of people, well, at least a few people, there were comments, you know, well, there's nothing new here. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they're just chunking compute and a lot of people are doing this. And, you know, so like, what's the news? And. I think I think the point is when I was reading this and I would encourage everybody to read this blog is that this was as much about compute and storage optimization 
And and it really was. In fact, I don't even think there was a single reference to like, oh, we adopted, for example, HEVC or correct. No codec uh, stuff. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't codec. This is all about um, compute and, and a lot about storage optimization. And look, you know, right now there's not anybody that I talk to who's operating at any scale, even a modest scale, a video service or platform who isn't or shouldn't be or should be, sorry, thinking very carefully about uh, your cost, about optimizing cost. And so I, I, you know, I, I just want to call that out because I think on one hand there was like, well, there's nothing new here. Like everybody's been doing this. And there were a few examples cited. And 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 yeah, I guess on the surface you could say that's true, but there's some good learnings here. And I I think uh, it's it's well worth diving in, you know, to look at their decisions and um the way they built this. Yeah, and saving money is key as as we've been talking about. And I'll include it's, the link in the in the podcast notes so people yeah. have that as well yeah. and also i i love the fact that uh some of the some of the engineering folks who have built this were leaving comments yeah um actually this was on a different post where i was talking about cutting of the bit rates mm. uh, but you know what what they said was uh, we have invested into building proprietary ip around business and content aware encoding techniques towards fruitful roi mm-hmm. that's a very nice way to put it you know, we're trying to deliver the best quality video from a mm-hmm. transcoding ingestion delivery standpoint yeah. at the cheapest cost. Yeah. That's, that's just the reality. That's right. So I, I thought that was uh, certainly a great post, very detailed. Uh, so see the comments on, on, uh, on the podcast. I'll include that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, a couple other interesting things around live events, Mark. Uh, yes, networked. Uh, yes, network announced mm-hmm. with their app um basically this interactive they're calling first of its kind of course live stats feature uh for new york yankee telecasts uh and they're doing it with partner easy live and basically the idea here is to see real-time stats on the same screen on amazon fire tv apple tv and google tv mm-hmm. so in a different way so there's a new format really coming here uh which is going to be uh interactive overlays and interactivity is something we've heard about a long time right we've heard about okay you could see something then you could buy it usually took you out to a different website or whatnot Uh, the the other folks to really watch here is play anywhere Mm -hmm. Uh, they recently announced a deal with la liga but actually have Mm -hmm. already rolled something out in one country so it's not just like this idea uh, I, I got a briefing from them the past couple of days, got to see some of the tech. Fascinating. Really yeah. interesting what yeah. they're doing here. And it's not right away people are going to say, oh, it's a betting platform. No, it's a fintech clearinghouse. Mm. It's very different. But there's there's a whole nother level of interactive television coming here tied to sports. And so yeah. we're seeing a couple announcements now about it. Yes. And, and this, this is super interesting. Uh, somebody else who's been doing a fair amount, and I don't know if they've really been talking about it, um, uh, in terms of this interactive, uh, you know, these overlayers, overlays is Red Bull, Red Bull TV. And I, I don't know how much they've really talked about it, but if you look at, um, you know, and of course they stream and produce, oh, 
hundreds, if not, you know, maybe a thousand events a year. I mean, it's a lot and, and not all are big, you know, some are quite small, um, but you can watch some of their marquee, you know, sort of, you know, big productions. And there's some very interesting things that they're doing as well. Uh, And I can just imagine that it's going to expand, you know, uh, even more. Yeah, with actual so, use cases as opposed to just like, oh, well, it's micro betting. That's that's not what's yeah, that's yeah. not the goal here. Yeah, exactly. And on on the Red Bull side, I don't think they're doing anything like you know uh, betting and and gaming. But it's but it's yeah, but it's just that I have seen and I've been exposed and you know had a few conversations uh, to you know to 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 get an inside view, I guess you could say. And uh, it's just it's it's really interesting this whole real time. And there is a new format that's emerging and new formats and uh that's going to affect you know player capability players are going to have to support these in time if they want to keep up yes Um, yes you know the the, the, the play anywhere stuff yeah it's all api driven too which makes sense Um, you know you mentioned red bull i like those guys a lot i talk to them a lot they're going to have some some new uh, streaming services announced soon Mm-hmm. I won't go into details, um, yeah. but to your point, Mark, you know this is something we're going to hear more about. What what concerns me is the moment people hear interactivity, they're going to be like, "Yeah, hey, we've been doing this forever." Yeah, or interactivity exactly. in the enterprise side of yeah. like, "Oh, you can sync slides with a video." That's not yeah. what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. we've had Mark. I remember since the late '90s with hotspot technology, where you could go buy. I remember. One of the first ones we did for at uh, Globex was BCBG. Mm. So that was 1998, 99. They were using some sort of technology back then so that when a woman walked down the runway, like their skirt dress, you could click on it. Mm -hmm. And of course, it took you to like eight different places you had to go. Certainly wasn't easy. Yeah. But the other thing we have to, you know, wonder is just how much do consumers want this Mm. and what type of stats you're providing? It Mm -hmm. drives me nuts that Major League Baseball continues to do you know so many stats during the game that you know frankly i don't care as a fan about right so someone hit a home run and the angle was 50 degrees yeah and they keep talking about it on air and then let's show why do i care if it's 50 degrees and by the way guys i don't know what the hell the difference is between 50 degrees and 46 degrees yeah in terms of like am i supposed to be excited it's 50 degrees who the hell cares all they care is he hit a home run yeah. So yeah. I also think that they're just providing all these stats, implying that it's giving us a better user experience. Sure. But what they're getting is, again, these leads are getting a ton of money from Amazon and Google and Microsoft and Oracle yeah. and everyone else doing the stats. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, let's not go back into that conversation of where it's not about the fan experience. It's about leads just wanting money. Mm-hmm. But this is very different from an interactivity standpoint because it will ask you, oh, who do you think is you know, going to win the next series mm-hmm. or win the next game or, or win the next inning or score the next goal. So I did get to see the play anywhere stuff across a couple different services. Really, really fascinating. So just mm-hmm. keep an eye on that. It's something, Mark, I think you and I will certainly talk about more as uh, we see more announcements come out. And also yeah. the fact Liga, you know, can roll this out already mm-hmm. see that it worked, liked it. And then also they made an investment in play anywhere. You know, what does that tell you? You know, it tells yeah. you they're they're truly investing in it. They're putting they're putting money down. Yeah. 
So more to come on that. Uh, next one, Mark, is we've gotten some reports that Warner Bros. Discoveries and talks to license some HBO original series to Netflix. Uh, I, I thought the deadline headline was interesting because it said, this is a streaming shocker. Yeah. I was like, I was like what? <laughs> really? Um, so we've obviously seen previously streaming services license content to other streaming services uh, or in some cases of course. <laughs> just say hey we're now going to make this available avod yeah on another fast service somewhere or whatnot so i i don't think this is a streaming shocker yeah there was some more news out today specifically about what series it might be um, they mentioned band of brothers um, so there was, there was a couple things, comedy insecure, uh, a comedy, I don't know what that is. Um, uh, and what, uh, what people are basically saying here is, you know, well, this is a way for Warner Bros. Discovery to just increase their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> isn't that what content owners that, are supposed to do? Yeah. Aren't you trying to maximize the um, revenue from your assets? And your assets right. are so? these video uh, titles, these movies, these, you know, e- episodic shows. And yeah, I don't, I, I, I really, I don't get the reaction as well. <laughs> yeah. I just, Surprise I was like, and shocked. Like, shocking. uh, Hello. And by <laughs> and the in way, fact, Netflix licenses. There was an announcement. I, I think it was the end of last year. It was, you know, not not too far back. Um, and Netflix licensing to I think it was Sony for some Sony property. And right. it, it's like, well, of course. <laughs> like, well, also in 2014. HBO did a deal with Amazon Prime Video to license yeah. The Sopranos, Six yeah. Feet Under, The Wire. Yeah. So. I don't I don't understand why this seems to be shocking so many who are covering the media space. Now, many of them probably weren't around in 2014, maybe covering our industry. Mm-hmm. Maybe they weren't here nine years ago. But this is what content owners are doing, broadcasters. That's right. OTT platforms. Yeah. You know, if they own the rights, it's original yeah. content. They yeah. can decide where they license it to for what they think is the best value. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense. So yeah. I don't. I don't see the uh, shock there. <laughs> uh, something quick that um, Netflix co-CEO said uh, this this past week, past few days, was at a conference. And what he said was that uh, he told this was an advertising event with a lot of advertisers. Mm-hmm. What he said was that Netflix has changed the way people watch TV and video already. And I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And he suggested that Netflix is going to help uh, help advertisers do that when it comes to commercials. Mm. And he described one ad format in particular that was, I thought, pretty interesting. And he said it would be akin to a, quote, 30-minute commercial. But the idea here is that it would play out over several days and it would mm. follow subscribers as they watch different shows on the service. So if you're watching multiple shows over multiple days, you're seeing pieces of the commercial that over time piece together mm-hmm. in a story, basically. I thought that's that's interesting. I don't know if consumers want that. I don't know if it's a higher engagement. Mm-hmm. No idea. Now, Netflix doesn't either. Netflix was very clear to also say, quote, this isn't going to happen overnight and maybe not even the next year. Mm-hmm. But the key point for me in this, Mark, is 
you still have people in the industry that are saying, oh, Netflix is so far behind in the AVOD space. And Netflix has made it clear that they don't have to win the AVOD space in the next year or two. They are building mm-hmm. out this business for the long-term growth. Mm-hmm. They've already said multiple times what our AVOD service looks like when it launches. It will not look the same two years from now. Mm-hmm. We will have different ad formats. We'll have different ways to buy ads. Um, are they going to be able to do potentially product placement inside videos? I don't know. Those services exist out there to do that virtually. So interesting in that Ted here was was giving an idea of a potential new format that could come down the line. And I think the key thing here is that's really what makes Netflix unique in the industry is their ability to trial different things and try them out because they have mm-hmm. such a large number of users in so many countries. And by doing so in terms of testing, they're learning so much about what consumers want. And with them projecting at least, quote, at least $3.5 billion of free cash flow, positive free cash flow this year, they also have the means to experiment. Other companies don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought that was interesting to point out in terms of how they're still talking about what they want the ad service to be, as yeah. opposed to the media, which seems to be focusing on what the ad service is today. Yeah, and and what s- sticks out to me is that, you know, I think Netflix really approaches almost everything they do in terms of story. You know, it's 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 story. It's about um, and if you think about engagement, you know, what is engagement on a video platform? Well, it's bringing the user into something that they feel they're a part of. Well, that's like story. Right. So if you're going to build an ad format and you're going to build some sort of ability that an advertiser could tell a story, um, you know, could, I mean, literally, you know, the ad is a part of a story which could be even integrated in somehow or adjacent to what the, um, you know, what the video content is about, you know, the actual show that is, you know, that advertising is running in. Uh, That's super compelling. I mean, I don't know how an, how an, advertiser would like go oh that's a terrible idea you know we're not interested in that um yeah, at least obviously yeah exactly so and and i think and you just said something super key is it is that netflix is in a preferred position in that they have the ability to experiment i i can understand where some of these legacy a lot of these legacy platforms they're kind of locked into the 30 second commercial spot Right. Just by the nature of how everything's programmed, how it's sold, you you know, and maybe they would love to do this, too. But, you know, they just can't. But Netflix can. So for for a lot of reasons, you know, they've got, I think, some technical advantages. You know, they're they're brand new. Anytime you're bringing something new to the market, your ability to say, hey, we have a slightly different take is you're going to have more flexibility, you know, than an incumbent who's has to worry about an advertiser saying, wait a second, you know, for 38 years, we've been buying ads in this particular way. Now you're telling us it's different, you know, like. And yet think of how many people, Mark, in the industry want to think of Netflix as like, oh, well, they're outdated. They're the old one. Like, yeah. You know, their legacy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, their legacy yeah, exactly. is what makes them unique. 
Yeah. Delivering yeah, video quality true. at scale by itself yeah. alone. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Now their earnings are in 27 days, Mark, mm-hmm. from when we're recording this. So I can't wait for that earnings call. I yeah. hope we get a lot of information. Now we may not, we might just get one or two updated numbers, but I think we're at least going to get something around password sharing, mm-hmm. which of course will be very very interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, Mark, let's jump into interesting news this morning from Sky. So Sky has launched a, a new camera mm-hmm. uh, that is designed to allow uh, video calling, gaming, fitness. So it attaches to the top of Sky Glass smart TVs. So you have to have a smart, uh, Sky Glass TV. Yeah, You can also watch TV with other households, uh, do Zoom. Uh, you can buy it for three hundred and seventy dollars up front, but of course you can also do the six pounds per month on a multi-year mm-hmm. contract. Um, mm-hmm. So pretty interesting that they're looking to add additional functionality, uh, especially when you obviously so Sky is owned by Comcast, mm-hmm. uh, but you also have Zumo, which is a joint venture between Sky and Comcast and Charter. They're preparing to launch a new line of of 4K smart TVs in the U.S. this year. Uh, Element Electronics is is, uh, the the brand of TVs, but it's going to be sold under the Element Zumo TV brand. Mm -hmm. So a little confusing here for sure. Um, But what what Sky is really trying to do is introduce a new entertainment experience for the home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't know if this is really something people want. Um, really couldn't say. The camera, they say, is 12 megapixels. It has a 106-degree field of view, four microphones built in, background noise suppression. So it sounds like what you would you would want from a camera if you wanted to attach one to your TV. Now, I thought it was interesting, Mark, that there's no physical privacy shutter, mm. which others provide. I noticed um, that too, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that that's smart. So you have to push mm. a button to manually turn the camera. Uh, microphone on and off, but okay. I mean, how many people remember to do that? You have older yeah. people. So I, I definitely think that's <clears> a, a misstep um, on them. So it, it'll be interesting to see just sort of how they, how they do this. Uh, streams are limited to HD if you're watching with other people. So no, you're not doing 4k. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. Yeah. Uh, but interesting to see a new piece of hardware device come out. So if you want to see what that looks like, just just Google Sky TV webcam. Yeah. You can check that yeah, out. Yeah, the Verge, the Verge has a a, a decent write up. Yeah, it's a good breakdown, it, including in, including a video, which I didn't get a chance to watch the video, but uh, yeah, yeah, pretty straightforward. I mean, it's it's a camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, quick piece of news this morning: uh, Fortress Investment Group uh, has agreed to acquire Vice out of bankruptcy. For two hundred twenty-five million dollars, so wow, incredible! Just how far Vice has fallen. Yeah. Um, so they they would take ownership of Vice out of bankruptcy, and it would allow uh, Fortress to run the business without any of its debt load and the complex mm-hmm. capital structure it has now. So it still has to be approved. Um, but but that was already announced and put out today. So it sounds like pretty much a done deal. Yeah. And then, Mark, maybe let's just wrap up with, uh, we're almost at 28 minutes here, uh, some some sort of nonsense in the market here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call someone out here company-wise, uh, and the company is Sandvine. Mm. So for those that don't know, 
Um, there's this debate that's starting to really heat up in Europe where telcos and carriers have gotten together and they've gotten in the ear of the European Parliament and said that content owners, Netflix, Apple, Google, the usual big guys, should really pay us to help us upgrade our networks because these video providers are the ones that are taking up so much traffic on our network. And the European Parliament has voted to establish a policy framework Mm -hmm. uh, for what they're calling a fair share model. Now, they, they're still hearing proposals. They're still getting feedback, which is good. Mm-hmm. We've already had a lot of companies, of course, Netflix and others, push back with facts, which I really love, um, which is important. But what's really starting to bother me now is Sandvine has done multiple blog posts calling for content owners to pay what is essentially a tax. I don't care what you call it. It's a tax. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And they're saying if you do this, quote, customers will get more for less, right? What they're saying is it's great for customers. It's great for customers. Now, here's the problem I have with Sandvine. You're not a neutral party. You are selling your platform to measure services over the last mile and other networks to telcos and carriers and ISPs. These are your customers. So why not let the data speak for itself, Sandvine, right? Mm -hmm. Why are you taking a stance either way? And I see this by other companies tied into the system Mm -hmm. or the discussion, I should say. The other thing is in this second blog post, they say that the European Parliament is using Sandvine data. Well, which data are they using? How come we can't get a copy of it? So the biggest problem, Mark, this sounds like net neutrality debate. It's it's different, yeah. right? But it, it yeah. sounds like it in the sense yeah. that the vast majority of people making comments have a vested interest in this going one way or the other. They are not neutral parties. They have a conflict of interest. The other thing, similar to net neutrality in the U.S., why are all these conversations around data happening beyond uh, beyond uh, behind closed doors. Yeah. So we have seen some data. Others have put out third-party companies in Europe, firms that have said, hey, we don't think this is needed. There's some good information out there. But I don't think vendors in the space should be out there taking a stance on this, right? And I almost mm. think of this market as like the role of a business. The role of a corporation in America over the last couple hundred years has been to serve customers, right? Their employees mm-hmm. and their shareholders. And now businesses seem to think their role is to educate society on the social yeah. issues of the day. Yeah. That's not the role of business. Mm-hmm. Right? The role of business is to provide, especially when you're talking about something regarding laws, um, unbiased, factual mm-hmm. information. So if Sandvine wants to provide data that we can all look at and evaluate. And have third-party people who are neutral, who are not tied financially to whichever way this goes, I think that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. The other thing is part of what the European Parliament is, is talking about is something that they call a digital decade, you know, basically target. And their target here, which is is pretty 
odd is that they want to roll out higher capacity bandwidth to consumers everywhere. And when they talk about the numbers or what they want to roll out, which is gigabit for everyone. Gigabit for everyone. I don't see why they're saying we need it. How it would improve business or just our lives as consumers. Where's the return on investment? They don't say. So there's a lot of grandstanding taking place. Yeah, and there's going to be that's more what I see <laughs> coming in. I'm sure and talking about this. And man, I would get on the phone and debate this any day with any of these companies and provide facts because also mm-hmm. some of them are just giving out absolute nonsense around. Yeah, for instance, Mark. Well, you know, per gigabit pricing, and it's like, guys, telcos and carriers own and operate their own network. Yeah, they have a fixed <laughs> cost, right? And there's things involved: transit, right. there's that's peering. Right. There's co-location, right? That's very different than just a per gig delivered. Yeah. And most of these ISPs are not in the commercial CDM business. So you're not even using the right methodology. Yeah. And this is what we saw, Mark, obviously with net neutrality was people wanted to quote data, but they took just a slice of the data mm-hmm. to try and prove their point. Mm-hmm. And you can always do that. And the example we've given Mark multiple times in this podcast is when a Vendor will put out a press release and say their revenue grew 100% year over year. Yeah. <laughs> well, your revenue was $250,000 last year. So yeah, exactly. So. Good for you for going at 100%, but you're yeah. still only half a million dollars. You yeah. have to put it into context. Yeah. And this is the same thing. But, you know, Sandvine, you know, this is two posts in a row now. The second one is from the CTO. I think the first one was from the CEO. And it is just full of absolute crap. Mm-hmm. You know, operators need capital to invest in innovation, yeah. right? Defined as what? Oh, and by the way, have you, Sandvine, looked at the profitability of some of these operators? <laughs> no, obviously, because if you look at their actual financials, Mark, some of these operators in Europe yeah. are throwing off such a high level of positive free cash flow. Mm. That the argument of like, well, they yeah. don't have money to invest in their Yeah, they don't have money right to door. invest. <laughs> right out the door. Yeah. The other thing I thought was interesting, Mark, is someone made a comment online, another vendor, of course, you know, saying, well, this really makes a lot of sense because it's not fair for our operators that these streaming services are allowed to deliver services over their network at such high margins. I was like, wow, high margins? <laughs> Every single streaming service is losing money today. Exactly. Yeah. That we yeah. know Dis- outside Disney of would like you to show them where the high margins are hiding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So again, it's I mean, just it's these comments people throw uh, out having no understanding yeah. of the numbers of any kind. So yeah. for anyone who's going to continue to do that, maybe understand the understand what's going on behind the scenes. Talk to these operators, talk to these carriers collected numbers and a lot of the numbers are public if you look at financials and and whatnot Mm -hmm. but as usual we're having a debate about something for consumers behind closed doors yeah so i'm going to do a blog post call out sandvine just sort of make this wider um i hope i don't have to cover this like i covered the net neutrality stuff for 18 months back in the days Mm because so much nonsense out there but just listeners just use common sense you know, read through the lines. Anytime anyone's using big 
marketing terms of like, this is great for consumers and innovation and, you know, cutting edge services. The other thing that they put in their uh, blog post Mark Sandvine did was, of course, they had to throw in meta. Oh, you yes. Oh, but once course. the metaverse comes, we're not going to yeah. be able to support. You know, yeah. just, just stop already. So yeah. lots of FUD yeah. from Sandvine. You guys should really be doing a better job, especially being this is coming from your C-level execs. Right? Yeah. Just, yeah, garbage, absolute garbage. Oh, well, Dan, while you're while you're writing your blog post, make sure you read the Axon Partners. Um, I, I guess it's a white paper. Uh, it's called Study on the Implications of an Unbalanced IP Traffic Market on European Socioeconomic. The title's so long, I won't even finish yeah, it. Yeah, I, I know what one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so, so, so there are so many, uh, so many examples where you can just pull out just ridiculous statements. But yes. here's one. Here's one. The video autoplay feature is now quite common across many major OTT platforms. They go on about, you know, kind of what it is, how it works. The The conclusion is this may result in users generating unnecessary data traffic if they forgot to stop streaming. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like, well, tell, you, tell you what, Axion, how about you get advertisers to stop auto-playing videos when I come to the page I don't want to see? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I know you, you've talked about that, but... Oh, it's uh, yeah. Just uh, you'll be able to pull out some real nuggets of uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've I've been Mark. I've been questionable analysis. Out. Let's just be kind. There's been quite a few over the past <laughs> couple of months. I've been creating a list of just links in case I have to go back to this topic. <laughs> yeah, there and, you go. And, and they're one of them for for no for sure. Because yeah. the other thing I love that they say is, you know, um, with what they're writing is, you know, they're providing visionary. And they're helping companies figure out, quote, how to drive innovation in today's market. Mm. It's like, guys, come on. Mm. I okay. guarantee if I ask you the difference between transit and peering or a cross-connect and interconnect, you don't even know what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that I am some deep network expert, yeah. right? There's, I'm, I'm not saying it right now. But these guys are writing about a topic they don't even know. Yeah. So yeah, there's quite a few of them. And I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping I don't have to hit this topic hard, Mark, because frankly, it's just... <laughs> I'm just tired of it. It's just it's nonsense. But it's it's real to the point of where Netflix on stage talked about this in public mm -hmm. at their uh, at their upfront presentation mm -hmm. right? and then provided written comments on it. And they've been very vocal on LinkedIn. So it's it's a it's a real topic. It's a mm -hmm. real story. But, uh, you know, companies like Sandvine should be doing a better job. For sure. So, Mark, that's all we've got this week. Uh, next week, we're going to take a break um, as I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. But we will be back the week of July 4th. And my guess is next week, probably all kinds of things will come out in the news since we're not around, um, which that's is right. usually the case. And we actually take a one-week break, which hardly ever happens. <laughs> um, but uh, we will be back with some uh, additional news. Uh, also, Mark, just a quick update on some on some numbers here. We're just over 25,000 downloads now on the podcast. So thanks awesome. to all the listeners. I was also yeah. telling Mark that, uh, the, uh, Apple podcast, uh, is, is, uh, about 50%. So almost the number one, mm -hmm. uh, app people are using to, to listen to. And, and the length of time people listening are average is well over 80%. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. for episodes, which is somehow they want us to listen to hear us talk for 35, hey. 40 minutes <laughs> every week. So that's great. We appreciate that because we, we could be do. pushing these we out do. every week and you're listening for 3% of the- Yeah, uh, yeah. That would not be good. Of the stream, <laughs> but that's not the case. So we do appreciate it. It's, it's rolling real well. Um, I'd say finally, just Mark, uh, I just started thinking about the NAB Streaming Summit in New York. Mm. I know I've said that previously, but now the yeah. the NAB Streaming Summit website, it's up, it's flipped. It's providing information on New York. Last night, I put up just uh, bullet points of what I want to cover, some of the topics. Call for Speakers is now open. Uh, you're going to see NAB doing a big marketing push after July 4th. So it's mm. it's rolling again. The, the NAB machine awesome. is, is rolling, coming to New York. So go to the website, obviously shoot me an email if you're interested in speaking, someone wants to do something, but two days in New York City at the Javits. I'm also going to hopefully mark to a, a meetup the night before Midtown Manhattan somewhere. Haven't had one of those in New York City in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So need to get Maybe that going post September. <laughs> well, you should try. I mean, yeah. you're going to moderate something in New York, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, if you're probably. Around. Yeah. So you'll be there. So more to come, but anyone's any questions, uh, hit Mark and up. Mark and I up on LinkedIn at any time. Happy to help out. Uh, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great week and uh, we'll be back in two weeks. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Have questions for Dan or Mark? Connect with them on LinkedIn at any time. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com.